Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two rolling along here. Ryan Wallace live inside T-Mobile Arena, Section 104, getting ready for Vegas and New Jersey. I'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. Not preempting myself. I, I like when I get to preempt myself. It's not happening today. I will just streamline right into the pregame show. And then, of course, Dan Duva and Gary Lawless will have the call of the game just after 7 o'clock today. Chris Chapman is back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. And for the Golden Knights, it is the New Jersey Devils, a team that on paper the Golden Knights should beat. And I want to bring Chris Chapman in for this discussion because I remember vaguely there was a show that we did a while ago. It was probably, I don't know, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, somewhere in that ballpark, Chris Chapman, where we were talking about different schedules for different teams in the Golden Knights. And I think it was right before the Golden Knights went on their five-game road trip. And you were talking about how you have easy teams on your schedule. You're supposed to beat them. And we all know kind of how that went for the Golden Knights against Buffalo and and Philadelphia and, and, and the like. So did you learn anything from earlier on this year, Chris Chapman, when it comes to penciling in wins before they actually happen in real time well I, I i think we should clarify because it was right before they went on the road trip to and they started that in philadelphia it may have been the day of that game or the day before that game and uh i said i never said they were going to win i said they <laughs> should win these games because they're, they're quite clearly i mean they they should beat teams like the flyers they should be teams like the sabers yeah and they they should be teams like the one they're playing tonight who Quite honestly, they 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 stink. I mean, the Devils are not good. So, um, you know, it's 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 not so much penciling in wins. It's uh-huh. looking at games and saying, yeah, they they should beat these guys. They should beat those guys. But unfortunately, Ryan, they they kind of well, but, they, they didn't beat a lot of those teams. But haven't we accepted that there's a lot of gray area here in the NHL? Like parody is a real thing, right? Yes, like, absolutely, it is. Yeah. Like, and even even a New Jersey Devils team without Jack Hughes still has some players on this team that can make it very difficult on a nightly basis. And, and to me, like, you know, I I look at this as a game in which the Golden Knights have to have to treat their opponent like they are, say, the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, you have to look across the ice and maybe in your mind not see the Devils jersey, but see a jersey of a team that you you play your best hockey against if you're the Vegas Golden Knights because you cannot allow this to be a trap game. I don't believe that it is. I know Danny Webster, who was on with us just a, a little while ago, used the phrase trap game. I, are you there? Like, Do you look at this as a trap game for the Golden Knights? It, it certainly can't be a trap game for the Golden Knights if you have aspirations for making the playoffs. I think you're right. You, you have to look at the Devils logo, and you have to just erase who who it is. You have to think that this is a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. 
you have to think this is a team that you need to make a statement against because the Devils have been terrible on their West Coast road trip. They're, they're, gonna, they're not going to want to go home with no points. They're not going to want to go home with that sour taste in their mouth. And look, I get they, they got into Vegas a couple days early. They were probably having a little fun. I saw some of their tweets. They were they were taking in some things on the strip. But at the Wait, end hold of the on, day, hold on, hold on. Whose tweets were you looking at? Uh, I won't say who, but, uh, you oh, know. Okay, it's like not the Devil's official Twitter account? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, for, for, for these guys, I, I, I get that maybe oh, they, they Vegas, is, Vegas is fun. But, I mean, they're still professionals at the end of the day. And I think pride is, is, is something that we often overlook especially with teams that are that have nothing to play for except pride. Mm. I'm going to ch- I'm going to choose to look at it from a different direction. You've got a loose team and then you've got a team that's got a lot of expectations, a, a lot of a lot of pressure on them right now. Like and that's the other the other part of this that I that I think is interesting is that you know, you look at the Devils and yeah, they're out of the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. They're eliminated from the playoffs. We all get it. We all understand it. But as you mentioned, Chapman, like they're here in town. They're having some fun. They're not in the middle of a playoff race right now. Every single mistake that they make is not magnified and looked over and, and the source of, of all this different concern. I, I, I think that there's danger in a Devils team that is loose, that does not have that pressure. But for the Golden Knights, they've earned it, right? Like they've earned this moment. They've earned this pressure down the stretch. And now it's about performing now it's about the golden knights margin for error being very very slim and you know i i want to bring just one concept or idea up before we get into our game ratings and it, it stemmed out of a conversation that dan duba and gary lawless were having uh after the edmonton game and it was about margin for error for the vegas golden knights and i think it's an interesting one it's one that we have to take into account here The Los Angeles Kings have five games remaining. After tonight, the Golden Knights will have five games remaining. And based on what L.A. does, that is really the intensifier for what the margin for error is for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, understanding all of that, Vegas needs to win. Pure and simple, you look at six more games, you got to win at least four or five of them, I think, to give yourself a legitimate chance. You, You cannot drop points or leave points on the table. But... The, the, the idea that L.A. is going to run the table, while they are playing teams that, have, that are out of the playoffs and they're playing teams that they should beat, as we've seen throughout this year, that's not always the way that it goes. Sometimes the teams you should beat beat you, and sometimes the teams you're not supposed to beat, you beat. So as we, as we look at the scoreboard, as we continue to kind of you know, live and die with what the Kings are doing, what the Golden Knights are doing, and, and piece together this puzzle or see where is it that the Golden Knights, what, what's the number that they have to, to get to, that magic number. I think that it's as, as, as difficult as it is, compartmentalizing on a day-to-day basis is the way that you have to view this if you're a fan of the Golden Knights because you can't let a result tonight be the determining factor on what you think is or isn't going to happen the rest of the season. Save for the sake of argument, the Golden Knights don't get the favorable result tonight. Well, the Kings could go out tomorrow and not get a favorable result. And by the end of tomorrow night, you're in the exact same position that you were in coming into today. Yeah, but the problem with that is you have one less opportunity to make sure. up. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I think there's, there's two ways you approach this. I think there's a way 
the players need to approach it in a way that the fans can approach it. I think as a fan, you you have to have the optimism that L.A. is going to drop. Maybe they drop to Anaheim. Who knows? Maybe they drop to Vancouver. I think as a player, you have to assume that Los Angeles doesn't drop, which means you can't drop. Mm-hmm. You have to have the hope that they drop. But, I mean, the, the reality of the situation is the Golden Knights could win out and they could still miss the playoffs, depending on what L.A. does. So I, I think it's an interesting question because the, the margin for error with every game that goes by gets smaller and smaller. And I sure. think you're, you're at the point now where you cannot afford to give the L.A. Kings any added momentum. Because if you lose tonight, I think that motivates L.A. for tomorrow. Like, hey, if, they, they, if we go out tonight because Vegas lost last night, we could put almost an insurmountable amount of points between us and them. I, I think for, for Vegas, you have to assume that L.A. is going to win every game. So let me ask you this question. If you were in the locker room, would you be scoreboard watching or no? I think you can't because oh. I, I think it's a distraction. You know, you, you hear these guys all the time. We just have to take care of our business and worry about what we do. We can't worry about what other teams do. Sure, it's in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can allow it to become a, a focal point or the focus of because it's easy to get off your game. And you mentioned before the parity in the league and just how slim the, 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 the difference is between winning and losing in the NHL. So I think any extra distraction could take you out of your game. And I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights can afford that right now. I, I just don't think there's any situation where you should be worrying about what L.A. is doing. Right? Tomorrow night, you want to watch the, the Kings? That's fine. But you still have to go out and play your game on Wednesday against the Capitals, regardless of what the Kings do tomorrow night. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting thought. Like, I, I don't know what I'd do in that position, right? Because I, I've made it very clear. I have a very difficult time compartmentalizing certain things like i i can't just turn the page on certain situations that arise in my day-to-day life so i don't know where the benefit would be for me if i was in that spot of knowing what other teams around me are doing i think that your point is well taken chapman in that if you're focused on what you've got to do, I don't know that anything else is really important or, or necessary to be focused in on because, you know, as you mentioned, for the Golden Knights, you went out. If the Kings went out, the Kings are in the playoffs. And, and that's really the, the unfortunate part of dropping that game against the Edmonton Oilers. And we're going to get into our official game rating brought to you by Nova Home Loans, the best combination of service rates and fees. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper. All right, Chapman, go ahead. It's the Edmonton Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights. It was a 4 nothing victory for Edmonton in Edmonton, and Edmonton wins the season series against the Golden Knights by virtue of that victory. What is your rating? Well, I think there's two ways to approach it, right? Mm. We're, we're talking about the process, so it's mm. it's a, a, a bell pepper based on the fact that we're tossing out the process, right? At this point, you don't care how you get points. You just need to get them. I will say there, there's a lot of disappointment in my my evaluation of that game because they played a really good third period against Vancouver. They managed to, to, to get the overtime point there. They come out and they absolutely demolish the Calgary Flames. They play a really good first period, I felt, against the Oilers. They fell behind, and you're going into the third period, and you're like, okay, this is, this is doable. It's a one-goal deficit. We have an opportunity here. If we just can get one, maybe we can get another. 
And Pete DeBoer, in his postgame comments, I, I I thought he was spot on because he said, going into the third period, the team that got the next goal was going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when the Edmonton Oilers score that first goal on the very first shift of that third period, you, you end up to a point where you're no longer chasing the game. You're, you're, you're going to lose the game because the way Mike Smith was playing, I don't think he was going to give up three goals. And I don't think the Golden Knights were doing enough to earn three goals in that situation. So there's a lot of disappointment because I really felt they were going to build off that first period Edmonton pushed back. They entered the third period trailing, and then you give up a goal in the first minute, and at that point, the game's over. It, it's highly, highly disappointing, especially considering that they had played, I think, five really good periods in a row. So do you want to add any nuance and, and improve your score, or do you just want to keep it as a bell pepper? No, I'll keep it as a bell pepper because at this point in the season, there, it, we, we've been on it. There's no, there's no point in evaluating the process. I thought yeah. they played well. I thought Logan Thompson gave him a really good opportunity to win that game. But when you chase the game, you, you hear it all the time. Guys make mistakes because you're chasing. You get a little too over-aggressive sometimes, and you make mistakes. And unfortunately, that's what we saw. The Golden Knights, because they were chasing that game, they weren't able to play the game they wanted to play. And a one-goal deficit, sure, it's not insurmountable. But a two-goal deficit in the third period against the team, look, Edmonton, Mike Smith has been playing out of his mind the last couple weeks, but defensively, the Edmonton Oilers are a lot better than I think a lot of people anticipated. It's just once you give up that second goal, it's over, and I think that's the really frustrating part because you had played really well up to that point, and maybe you were in a position where you're going to be able to get a point out of it. At least get the game to overtime. Put yourself in position to win that game in overtime, and they just couldn't do it. So... It's a bell pepper from me, and we know why it's a bell pepper, right? It's it's no process. I'm not going there. I'm not going to get into into that or, or really kind of on, on a deeper level of what I thought of the game. Um, it's a bell pepper in that the Golden Knights had an opportunity to get a point out of the game. And, and listen, I get it. They they were trailing one nothing going into the third period, but there have been multiple opportunities throughout this season where the Golden Knights have been trailing by just one or tied with an opponent entering the third period, and the game gets away from them because they are opening things up. And it, it, it brings me back to the question that I asked Danny Webster uh, in hour number one about the Golden Knights and the identity of this team. I think the identity of the Golden Knights, if we're looking at it objectively, is as a team that defends well and a team that is able to clog things up and their defense is able to spring their offense into scoring enough goals that they can win lower scoring games. We're talking 2-1, 3-2. That's what it is. How many times have we heard Pete DeBoer, if we're playing the right way, it's a race to three. And if we get three, we're not giving up another one. We're not going to be a team that has to win five to four or six to five or seven to six. Like the Golden Knights are not the Florida Panthers, and I think we all recognize that. My biggest gripe with the game against the Edmonton Oilers is that through 40 minutes defensively, the Golden Knights played to their identity. They played well. They were good defensively. Everything was fine. And I think that the frustration going into that third period of feeling like you have to get two goals on your next shift really started to open the game up for the Edmonton Oilers. And once that happened, then you, as you mentioned, Chapman, the Golden Knights put themselves in a hole that they just could not climb out of. So I, I don't look at Calgary and Edmonton 
in in vastly different ways, right? Like I look at it and say, frankly, if the Golden Knights kind of stuck to that process and hammered in that identity and defended um, as as tightly checking as they were over the first tw- 40 minutes of the game against the Oilers, they probably would have gotten themselves an opportunity to tie that game and get a point out of it. It didn't happen. It's unfortunate, but for the Golden Knights, it's it's reset time. It's coming back home. It's taking on the New Jersey Devils. And I, I think the biggest thing going into this game is that there's a, a little bit different line combinations from the Vegas Golden Knights. They they took they 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 switched things up a little bit today in morning skate. You've got uh, some new combinations up front, and I, I want to get your thought process on what the lines look like today for the Vegas Golden Knights up front. Top line would be Jonathan Marchessault with Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, and then your second line's Pacioretty with Stevenson and Dadonov. Just your thoughts really quick, Chapman, on the shakeup from Pete DeBoer and, and what the expectation is going to be from your top six in this game. Well, I, I, I think initially I look at that that first line of Marshall, so Eichel, and Stone, and, my, and what jumps out at me is, all right, you have your best goal scorer, mm-hmm. you have your best player, mm-hmm. and you have your captain all on the same line. I, I, I like that because I feel like that's if, if any line is going to get this team going – Sure. It's going to be those three guys. Marcia So is the guy who I, I think a lot of people would agree going back to year one. He is the guy who, when this team gets down to a point where it almost looks insurmountable, he's the guy that steps up, right? I mean, we could go back to year one, that series against Win- Winnipeg, the, the Western Conference final. They get beat in game one largely because they play a bad first 10 minutes of that first period. Marchessault had no problem saying that he felt they were the better team and that he basically that they were going to win the series. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's always been Marchessault. So I like the idea of you putting him with Eichel, who clearly is the, the playmaker. And I think it's an opportunity. Maybe get Mark Stone jumping a little bit. Maybe get Stone going because we know it's it's been a tough sled for him the last couple games. He's still He's still dealing with whatever he's dealing with. He's obviously, and I don't—I shouldn't say obviously, but it doesn't appear that he's 100%. And he's still getting his legs and his lungs back. But if there's two guys who can help him get going, it's probably those two guys. So Pete DeBoer was was asked about Stone and Eichel and, and kind of the, the decision-making and whether or not those two players sh- should mesh in tonight's game. Well, you know, they, sh- they should mesh. You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, on, on paper... A lot of things should work, <laughs> right? So we'll see, you know. But I mean, you got two elite players. One's a uh, an elite playmaker. One's an elite shooter. It should work, but uh, you know, the proofs in in what happens when the puck drops. So it's interesting because to me, Mark Stone in the neutral zone is is the guy that creates a lot for the Vegas Golden Knights. And as as productive as Jack Eichel has been with Vegas. Imagine what Jack Eichel full flight going downhill in transition can do for this Golden Knights team. Think about all the times we've seen Jack Eichel highlights in which he takes the puck and he just skates through guys in route to the front of the net. 
with Mark Stone picking off plays in the neutral zone and feeding Jack Eichel at top flight, maybe you get a little bit more out of Jack in that regard in transition. So I like it for that reason. And then you've got Jonathan Marcheseau, who, as you mentioned, Chris, is leading this team in goal scoring this year and, frankly, I think has been the most consistent player night in and night out. So I like the look of that line. And then Pete also spoke about Mark Stone, where he's at kind of in his process of getting to 100%. Yeah, he's, he's working his way back, um, and he wants to be out there, and he wants to be an important part for us, and I'm sure uh, there's a little frustration in, uh, in, in, you know, it not coming as quickly as he wants, but, you know, he's missed, you know, a, a really significant amount of time, and, uh, um, but even at 80%, he's, he's better than, you know, a lot of guys in the league, and all of our other options. So there you have it. I mean, I don't disagree with Pete DeBoer there. You want Mark Stone in the lineup, and and I I would agree that 80% Mark Stone is going to give you and provide you with more than what you'd get out of a replacement-level player. But the fact of the matter is you're looking for – something to stick and something to spark Mark Stone. I think it's there. I think it's 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 waiting. You're just going to have to find and be patient enough to get that out of the player. Now, when we look at the lineup, the, the way that it is right now, or what we expect it to be tonight, Matias Yanmark with William Carlson and Michael Amadio. And that, to me, is interesting in that for a while now, I've talked about the need for or the the desire to have a shutdown line, a line that you throw over the boards, and the main objective for that line is to shut things down, do not allow the opposition to score, and you put them on the best players of the opposition chasing those matchups, and it frees up your best offensive players to go out there and do what they do. Now, Yanmark with Carlson is intriguing to me because it gives me hope that at some point in time there's going to be a super shutdown line fronted by William Carlson, and Matias Yanmark I think makes a lot of sense there, and so would Riley Smith if he was healthy. And, you know, Pete DeBoer did talk about this idea with Carlson and if Riley Smith is going to be healthy enough to return at any point this year in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I, again, when we, when we talked about... Uh, what this team could look like come playoff time. You know, you put Riley Smith in there and you have Will Carlson. Um, you know, if those guys are playing on your third line, you know, that, that's a that's a line that can play against everybody's top players and also kill penalties and also, you know, be real dangerous offensively. So that, that's the kind of depth you're looking for. But, you know, we haven't had that, that luxury yet to get everybody in. Do we expect who, Riley Smith? I would expect that, yeah. That's on if Riley Smith would be available for the Golden Knights should they make the playoffs. And, of course, the only way for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs is to win a lot of hockey games, and that's what Pete DeBoer echoed this morning. Yeah, I think we obviously know the spot we're in. We've got to win as many games as we can. Um, You know, at the same time, uh, you know, our season doesn't end uh, with a win or a loss, you know, either successfully or unsuccessfully any time in the next probably weak so uh, you know but every game we play here uh, we're getting a little bit healthier the guys that we're putting back in the lineup are getting a little more up to speed after missing significant time so you know I think uh, 
you know, we should have the goal of, of trying to win every night here, and, and I think we're capable of doing that. So, Chris Chapman, when you look at tonight's game against the New Jersey Devils, what do you need to see from the Golden Knights early on, like first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game, for you to feel confident in what you're going to get out of this team tonight? Well, it sounds pretty, pretty simple, and it sounds almost like a cop-out, but they need to score. Hmm. Like, you you had a lot of, what did they have, like 15 shots in the first period against Edmonton? They, 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 they had a high number of shots in that first period, but they had nothing to show for it. I feel like that's been consistent this entire season where they'll have a lot of shots. But they don't have a lot of goals. I feel like this is the kind of game, and this is the type of team, and I'm not sure who's, who's going to be in net for the Devils, but I know it's not anybody good. So if, if, if you're the Golden Knights, you can't give that, that goalie confidence. You, you, you can't let him go into that second period pitching a shutout. You have to put pucks in the net. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if it's greasy. I don't care if it's if it's one-timers. I don't care if they come on the power play. Mm-hmm. But you've got to put pucks in the net against this team. I, I think you need to demoralize New Jersey, crush their spirit. Look, this is the last game of, of the road trip for them. This is the last t- time they're going to play outside of the Eastern time zone mm-hmm. the, the, the rest of the season. They have nothing to play for. Crush their spirit in the first period kick their ass, and and shut them down. There, there's no reason why you should allow this team to hang around because if you do, they're going to say, hey, you know what, maybe we can win this game and go back back home with something good, something positive. You have to score early, and I think you have to score often, especially in that first period. So you mentioned goaltending, and obviously we'll take a look at it from the Golden Knights' perspective. Uh, Robin Leonard was on the ice today. Uh, Yuri Patera was sent back to the Henderson Silver Knights. Robin Leonard appears to be back with the team, and he was the first goaltender off the ice this morning, which usually is a pretty good indication that uh, he will get the start. We'll hold out uh, until we we see who comes out, who leads the Golden Knights onto the ice for warm-up. But uh, Pete DeBoer did mention this morning that Robin is available. He's here. He's available. I think, uh, you know, his family uh, issue has been uh, cleared up, so... You know, he's a he's eligible to play tonight, and we'll have a decision on that. So, what do you do if you're Pete DeBoer? Who do you go with tonight? I'm going with Robin Leonard. Yeah. Um, it's and it's not anything negative that that uh, Logan Thompson did, but I feel like if you're going to make a run in the playoffs, you're going to do it on the back of Robin Leonard. And I feel getting him back in, getting him comfortable, getting him confidence. Look, the Devils, this is a perfect team for him to get confidence against. Believe it or not, I remember the last time Robin played the Golden or the, the, the New Jersey Devils at T-Mobile Arena, mm-hmm. he pitched a shutout. Mm-hmm. So I'm all in favor of Robin Leonard getting the start tonight. I think it's the right call. Hopefully, whatever whatever Robin's dealing with is 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 you know health-wise is 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 good. Um, you know, but you got to get him confidence. And I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to put him in there and give him confidence against a team that, that isn't very good. Because I, th- like I said, I think you're going to need him down the stretch. You're going to need him to win some games for you. And this is a good opportunity to start. Game one of the final homestand of the year is tonight, the Golden Knights against the New Jersey Devils. But if you want to go to Vegas versus Washington for uh, this coming Wednesday, 702-876-1340. We've got a pair of tickets for that game to give away. Caller number eight 
for obvious reasons. It's Vegas and Washington this coming Wednesday. Yeah! 702-876-1340. Caller number eight. You're a winner. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. It's our look around the NHL. Quick hits, news, and notes. And we'll start off with this one, Chris Chapman. Again, I can't really express how much I'm enjoying the one-timer segment in the absence of Darren Millard, who I heard might be gracing everyone's television later today. So I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. But Darren Millard continues to be on the mend and continues to get better every single day. But that is not the one-timer I was going to lead off with. I'm going to lead off with this one-timer, Chapman. The Toronto Maple Leafs set team records for points and wins in a regular season. Leafs have 106 points. That is a new team record for points in a season and 50 wins, a new team record in in, in wins. They've got six games left to play in the regular season. Does anyone in Toronto care? No. No. I I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a nice thing to say, hey, team record, but the only thing people in Toronto care about is winning a first-round playoff matchup and winning a second-round playoff matchup. Okay. I have bad news for you, Chapman. It's not going to happen. They're playing, for all intents and purposes, Like I think that it's pretty well situated here for the Toronto Maple Leafs to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. So for Toronto, a team that has set new records for wins and points in a season and they've got six games remaining and you've got a player over 100 points in Austin Matthews who's flirting with 60 goals and likely is a front runner for the Hart Trophy. Sorry, Jonathan Uberdo. Um, they're not getting out of the first round. No, they're probably not going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I, I hate to break it to you. I, I know you are a big Maple Leafs fan, and oh, and I. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I literally, I literally set this all up with. Does anybody care? No, no, and and the thing is, they don't. Like so, like like the like I said, the only thing that matters is uh-huh. winning in the playoffs because that that's they, they've become so accustomed to not winning in the playoffs, but having these spectacular regular seasons, yeah. having Austin Matthews score well, fifty goals in fifty games know. and. I don't know if it's spectacular regular seasons. Like, we're talking about a team that just hit 106 points, and that's the best regular season <laughs> that they've ever had. They, they haven't had spectacular regular seasons. They, they haven't seasons. won a, a cup since 1967. I, okay. I, I get it. Yeah, look. But, but my point is, like, I agree with you. I don't think anyone in Toronto really cares. I don't but think I, anyone I, outside I, of I, Toronto cares either. Well, no one outside of Toronto cares. I'm telling you that right now. But my point is, like, shouldn't you on a, on a very basic level – celebrate success even if it's in the regular season like 82 games it's hard to be good consistently over that stretch and this is the best the Leafs have ever been in the regular season but it's all for not it's all show it's like it's like the department store they put all the nice stuff in the window <laughs> but then you go in and and they don't have it that that's 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 what it is it's it's all show it's like it's a dog and pony show and I don't know where that that phrase came from but I like I it either. dog and pony show yeah. You know, it's 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 who who cares? Like mm-hmm. the the funny thing is, in my lifetime, 
-hmm. The Toronto Blue Jays have won multiple World Series. Okay. The Toronto Raptors never did not exist, mm -hmm. came into existence, yep. won an NBA title. Sure. And the Maple Leafs can't even make the Stanley Cup final. Well, it's I, not easy to make no, the Stanley I, Cup I, I final. I understand Chapman. that, but 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 there's been so much more success in other sports in Toronto in my lifetime. Look, my, my Mets have won one World Series in my lifetime. The Blue Jays have won two. Uh-huh. That, okay. that 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 blows me away that 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 the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors have had leaps and bounds more success than an original six franchise. So you're steadfast. It doesn't matter. No, it, not, it, none of it matters. Unless unless they win a playoff series, none of it matters, Ryan. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a, just a series? That's it? No, well, so I, like, look, if, so if like, you beat okay, the Lightning, so that's, that's no small feat. Hold on. If they're able to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, all of a sudden we care about the fact that they set no, records no. The, the only thing that matters is if they win the Stanley Cup. Okay, all right. With that team, that's all that matters. So, I understand why fans don't care. What do you think about the room? Like, what do you think about the players? What do you think about the coaching staff? Like, do you think that, that anyone in that organization really cares about how well they've played this year in the regular season? <laughs> they shouldn't. I, I, I mean, like I said, we, we could harp on it. The only huh? thing that matters in that locker room is is winning a Stanley Cup. Chris Chapman, I have good news for you. They don't care? You could be an NHL coach. <laughs> Sheldon <laughs> Keefe said this. I don't know if it means a lot, especially with where we know this team needs to go. End quote. They don't hear this song a lot in the playoffs. No. No one's going to care about nope. their regular season. Okay, former Leaf Freddie Anderson left the Hurricanes game on Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche with an apparent lower body injury. Underwent an MRI, but no updates. Are the Carolina Hurricanes good, Chapman? Like, and and I say that by by under like understanding where they're at right now in the standings. 104 points, 76 games right there tied with the New York Rangers in the Metropolitan Division for first place. If there's an injury to Freddie Anderson, are the Hurricanes good enough to overcome that? I think it depends what what the goal is. Because they've proven in the past they can win playoff series with basically not great goaltending. The problem is this is the first time since they've been good that mm -hmm. they have. Mm-hmm. A good quality goaltender. So I think if Freddie Anderson's out a long time, it's it's pretty demoralizing to that team. I feel like they they underachieve a bit, but yet they overachieve at the same time because they've never had that 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 number one goalie. You know, they've always kind of gone with goalie by committee. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if they're good enough to overcome. Like at this point for that team, they they should be like Toronto. Their their aspiration should not be winning a series. Their aspiration should be raising a cup. I don't know if they're good enough to do it without Freddie Anderson in that. They've been great as the underdog. They have not been great when there have been expectations placed upon them. Uh, of course, without Freddie Anderson, I think it's dicey at best. But right now, if the playoffs started today, it would be Carolina versus Boston. Would you favor Carolina in that series? No, because they, they haven't proven in the past that they could beat the, the Bruins in a playoff series. So then who are the legitimate contenders out of the Eastern Conference? Like, are the Carolina Hurricanes in your 
list of three or four legit contenders. I think in their case, it depends on matchups. I don't, I you know, and I don't, I don't, I, I think the Rangers could be because of the guy that they've got between the pipes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they've got enough good quality players in front of him to where they, 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 they should be considered a contender. Uh, you know, the, the East is tough because I, I honestly don't know who the best team in the East is. I mean, I feel like we're kind of sleeping on Boston a little bit. Sure. I mean, they've, they've got the guys. I, I wonder about goaltending for them. But I think Florida and Tampa are, are, are the two best teams in the East, and I think one of those two teams is going to go to the final. And, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for the other teams because I just don't know if... if the window is closing on some of them. I feel like the Rangers window is starting to open. Sure. But I feel like on Carolina, Toronto, it might be closing a little bit. A Toronto, really? <sighs> Don't you have to win a playoff series for your window to open? Well, I mean, the the, the what's the alternative, though? Not no, making the playoffs? Point. It's a fair point. No, it's a fair point. Let's get into a record that maybe you care about. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov set the wild franchise record for goals in a season with his 43rd marker of the year this past weekend against the St. Louis Blues. So it's a very simple question, Chris Chapman. Is Kirill Kaprizov the best wild player ever? Wow. I think if you look at the stats through two seasons, I, I think you could probably make the case. I feel like Zach Parisi was really good for a while for them. I don't know if he ever lived up to the to the contract, though. Let me let me tell you this right now, Chapman. When you look at what the Wilds cap situation is going to be like next year because they had to buy out Zach Parise, you can take Zach Parise out of yeah, the conversation. I, he, he might be the most disliked guy in Wild history after this season, but... You know, I, I, I feel like Minnesota, they're a team that really hasn't had a ton of history since they've come back in the league. What's it, about 20 years now? I have no problem saying Kaprizov is the best player they've had. Yeah, neither do I. He's the most dynamic He's player the most exciting ever had. player they've had. Like, I, I think you, you talk yourself into Marion Gabrick, and, like, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. I, I think he was an absolute phenomenal player for the Minnesota Wild, and I'm sure there will be some that I'm going to forget. Andrew Burnett scoring the final goal against uh, Patrick Waugh. Like, that is a moment, a singular moment that lives right up there for the Minnesota Wild organization. But to me, like, I, I look at it very simply. Kirill Kaprizov puts butts in seats, period. End of story. He's lived up to every single expectation placed upon him over the course of his two seasons with the Wild, and we're seeing over the course of an 82-game season how dynamic he can be. To me, it's a no-brainer. Kirill Kaprizov is the best Minnesota Wild that has ever played uh, in, in the NHL, and I think that the sky's the limit for this kid, and, and the, the, the thing with Minnesota right now is taking advantage of this window where you have Kaprizov and shooting your shot this year in the playoffs. You know, I and I like what you said about him putting butts in the seats, right? Like, he's got personality. Yep. And you, you, you see it a lot when you watch him play that he's got he's got that creativity, but he's also got personality. He is the main event. You know, he, he is the guy that that team, if they're going to go anywhere, they have to rely on him. I love watching him play. He, he's so fun to watch. And he seems like he's a fun guy, like, off the ice. So, I, I, I mean, I enjoy it, and I hope the people in Minnesota are, are really appreciative of, of just how good he is. I mean, it is, what, the hockey hockey capital of America. So they've seen a lot of really good players, at least from the youth ranks, come through and, and end up having successful careers in the NHL. 
But he's that guy, man. He's just so good. He's so fun to watch. And, yeah, he, he, he puts butts in the seats. He's the showstopper. He's the main event. Those are your one-timers for today, Monday, April 18th, brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fees. We're back to wrap it up, catching up with Chapman's next on the VGK Insider Show. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right. Well, the New Jersey Devils are in town, the team I grew up rooting for. However... The New Jersey Devils were not part of the first ever NHL game I went to as a kid. Hmm. The first game I actually saw as a kid was the Philadelphia Flyers at the old Spectrum, and they played a team that no longer exists. Well, at least in their original name. They now play in a team we mentioned in the last break or in the last segment, the Carolina Hurricanes. first NHL game I ever saw was the Philadelphia Flyers and the Hartford Whalers at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. In fact, my uncle took me to more Ranger games because he was a big Rangers fan when I was a kid. So the Devils, I didn't actually go to a Devils game until I was a teenager. So I saw multiple games at the at Madison Square Garden with the Rangers, and uh, I saw a couple games at the old Spectrum with the Flyers, but I had to wait till I was a teenager to go see the New Jersey Devils. So uh, it's kind of strange how I became a fan considering why, I was Why go- did you become a Devils fan? Well, because I, I had to be different. My uncle was a Rangers fan, and, and we had a little bit of a... Uh, of a rivalry, he was—he wasn't so far away from me in age, so we we kind of would talk trash a little bit. Oh, and so uh, yeah, it was it was fun when those Rangers and Devils teams were, were having that rivalry in '94, '95 because he got one in '94 and I got one in '95, and then I got two more, and the Rangers still haven't won. So I'm all good with that. Okay, well, I, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't want all the misery just because I wanted to be different, Chapman. You're you're a different guy. No though. misery though. Look, I got to I got to watch my team win three <laughs> Stanley Cups. It's no That's misery. Fair. I got to watch them lose a couple too. But yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> That's. <laughs> That's the bummer in all of this. Including one to uh, a team that that we won't mention because uh, you were on the other side of that. Well, I mean, it was great for me. It worked out well for (laughs) me, Chapman. It wasn't good for me. You can talk about it all you want to. I'll I'll, I'll break it up in any any situation that I can. Wasn't good for the guy on the VGK bench either. That's a good point. He will have an opportunity to beat his former club, the New Jersey Devils, as the Golden Knights will take on New Jersey. Pre-game show is next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.